This is part two of our discussion with Dr. Dory Carlson. And she starts out by discussing vision and mission statements and how we can use our teams and our practices uh, to help create these things and then parlay that into creating additional protocols within our practice to not only um, improve our practices, but actually get buy-in from our, from our team. Enjoy. There are vision statements and there are mission statements. So who in here has a vision statement? Mission statement? Can you actually say it? Okay, anyone? What your mission statement is? You know, sometimes they get really long, and then we forget what it is. You know, and I'm going to be honest, sometimes for a while we would say our mission statement at the beginning of every one of our staff meetings. Um, and so somebody, we would take turns reading it, somebody would read the mission statement so that we could say it by heart and we could do this and just remember what our mission statement is. And when I do these talks, and I, you know, I always say that I'm going to go back and I'm going to reinstitute that, and have I done it yet? No. Maybe that's my take home for tonight, is to go back and redo, you know, so that we're on the board with saying our mission statement. But, you know, again, it's about your why. So a vision statement is about where you want to go. J&J um, &J is a great example. If you go to J&J headquarters, they have their credo, they call it. They don't call it a vision statement, but essentially it's a vision statement. Their credo is everywhere on these really beautiful acrylic pieces of acrylic. I don't know what else you... Yeah, anyway, but they have them in the middle of their conference table. They have them in the bathroom. You know, they got them in different places, but it's about their vision, about what they want to be as a company. And, um, you know, mission statements are about what we do, kind of. They're more nuts and bolts about what we believe. We want to take care of you and your family. Um, we want to be part of our community. Those are typical mission statement things. So you kind of look through those. But I, I would really encourage that if you haven't done it, it's a great, again, a retreat idea with your staff. People will support that which they created. If you go out as the doc or the leader and create your mission statement, and you go to your staff and say, here, this is our mission statement, you're going to go, oh, okay, well, that's nice. And does anybody really believe it or need it or want it or remember it? But if you actually do that as a staff retreat, that's how we created our mission statement, is we did a staff retreat for one day, closed the office. Um, so that's kind of a different story, but we closed the office and we got together as a group and we created our mission statement. And I will tell you how it started. Um, we had somebody come in and facilitate the meeting, but we decided to be good guy, bad guy, right? So my husband's the only male in the whole office setting, right? And he's the other optometrist. So, and we decided that I was going to be the bad guy. He gets to be the good guy because he's the nice, funny guy, right, that everybody loves. So we kicked it off, and we were going through it. This is probably 10 years ago. We were going through a particularly rough spot in our, our staff I, and to back up. I have two staff members that have been with us for 25 years. I have probably four that have been with us for 15 or more years. And then we've got a couple of newbies. We added some staff members. So we've got some people that have been around for maybe months to a year or two. So, but this was several years ago. And we had this longevity in the staff. And you know, family gets tired of each other. We all know what you, I know exactly what, to, what button to push to set you off because that's what you do with family, right? 
And when you work with somebody for 15 years, that's exactly what you do. You just start pushing buttons because you know what to set Lori off today. And so we were going through this period of time where it was um, people were setting people off with buttons, right? And yet we have this longevity of our staff, so what do we do? So we started it this way. It could have gone really south. Thankfully, it didn't. But I got up at the beginning and I said, we're here today because we're going to, here's our goals, and I laid out our goals. And quite frankly, I'm not really happy coming to work today or lately because of attitudes, because I really don't like the attitudes. So either I go or you go. And I own the practice, and I'm not wealthy enough to retire, so I'm staying. So today we get to figure out how to stay together, right? And that's how we kind of started it. And my husband got to close it and be the nice, funny guy and the warm, fuzzy, and so we let him do that. But that's how we started it. It could have gone really, really south, but that was the day we created our mission statement. And people will, be will believe in that which they created. So something to think about. Yes? So, first of all, Well, I'm, we've done a variety of things, and we've, I, you know, maybe we've actually closed the office for a full day every couple of years. You know, it's not, we've done other things, but for a retreat to kind of get together two to three years maybe, so it's not a real common thing for us. Um, sometimes it's been about, we've got some new people, so we got everybody together to kind of regather the mission statement, right? Or we went through that tough period. Um, we did a retreat with J&J, came in and facilitated and did a DISC profile thing went into patients, went into personality of ourselves. They left. We kind of did some other stuff together as for some team building stuff. Um, the gal that we had facilitate the meeting where I started and said either I leave or you leave was actually a woman who did some para-optometric education. And one of my staff members had found her because we had sent her to a meeting and really liked how she facilitated out a different meeting. So sometimes it's about... Um, you know, going and seeing what other people have done or talking to people or seeing somebody at a meeting that might facilitate stuff. So. so oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I have, I have a slide about that. Okay, so can we hold that thought? Okay. So. Example, our family is committed to providing a lifetime of healthy vision to you, to your family. So, you know, these are examples. And I could go on and on and on, but I pulled all, all the examples because of time. So, you have to have a, a, a goal and be organized, right? Part of it is just about being organized as what you want as a leader. So, if you want these templates, they are on VS Insight. They're in the leadership portion. Um, we worked with Tony Jiri, who has written many, many books also. And he actually has these templates that we've loaded up onto Insight. Yeah, Tony Jeers talked, and yep. And Vision Source has kind of had a contract with Tony a little bit, so he's done some stuff. He calls himself the results guy. So there are four webinars that Pete and I did with him that are also in Insight. And then if you go in practice management into the leadership section, you'll find these resources with Tony Jerry. I also write a blog that I post a couple times a month on Insight, so you're more than welcome to go read my insights, um, all puns intended. Uh, 
I just wrote about football. I just posted that one today. So, um, but these are things that you can have. And, and so what it is is what's your standard that you want for greeting, for following through, for attitude? I mean, Tony Jerry kind of lays some of this stuff out. So, I mean, it's, it's something that has been results-oriented with other professionals that have created this. But how do you want your office to be portrayed? If you take a f and, and, and this would be a great retreat thing. So if you're doing a staff in-service thing, like how do we want the greeting to be? Get everybody to give in about what the greeting should be when a person walks in the office. People will support that which they create. If you go hand it down to them and say, do this, do this, do this, you might have mixed results. You might have the, the C people that follow the rules because that's what you lay down for the rules, but you're going to have the D people or maybe the I people and ah, rules are meant to be broken. We just do it our way, right? So these are the things that to kind of think about and be organized about how you're leading your practice. So it's up to you to implement the vision and continually remind people of the big picture. Be sure you've got the right team members. Um, and you know the right team members are the people that are always asking what's best for the team and not necessarily for me. So let's go on here just for the sake of time. Um, reward your staff. It doesn't have to be big. On Revolution EHR's Facebook page, somebody posted this, said, look what the doc gave us today. And you cannot really read this, but it says, I survived one year of Rev EHR. And so they all got wine glasses. And she posted on Facebook because she's so excited about the fact that they survived this year of EHR. It doesn't have to be big things. Sometimes it's really little things that really matter and make a difference. So rewarding your team members and, and creating that um, team mindset. And making sure that you have the people in the right seats on the bus, right? So I, I love this. This is totally a John Maxwellism, and it's about the wrong person, you get regression. You've got the right person in the wrong place, confusion. You know, sometimes in our office, we've switched people's jobs, job descriptions. We had somebody who used to be an optical, and she's our front desk person now. Um, and, and just the seat fit better. So sometimes it's not always about the fact that you get rid of somebody or bring somebody new in or you're doing something, but maybe it's just switching them around. Or maybe they've been doing something for 25 years and they're really bored with what they're doing, and they need just a switch in the office to change things up to keep them motivated and keep them interested. So sometimes it's not necessarily about getting rid of people, but maybe moving them around. And I love this, the right people in the right place, multiplication. And, and like I said, that's a total John Maxwellism. You tell two friends, you tell two friends, you two tell two friends. It's about being leaders and the multiplication that happens with that. And then there's different phases. You know, when you have a new member, they need a whole bunch of, of um, uh, yeah, let's go past that. Well, I had a thought. I got a different slide. Sorry, I'm off track here a little bit. But, you know, you might have to spend more time with them, coaching them when they're brand new. You know, as they become a more mature staff member, you do different things. So it's about keeping it fresh for depending upon where they are in the life cycle of in your practice. So just because I'm going there, how many people have had somebody that's been with them for over 10 years? How about over 20? Okay, couple. So there tends to be some longevity. So how many people have had um, 
three people in the last three years? Like, cycle? Okay, couple. I have a story about that too, so we'll kind of go into that. So, I'm a big person about being out of your comfort zone. And so, the magic happens when you're not in your comfort zone. And if you can find the things that create people to get out of their comfort zones, you actually cause growth to happen. And they kind of look, staff looks for that. Staff wants a reason to advance in the office. Staff wants a challenge for the most part. They want to be part of it. Um, so if you get them a little bit out of their comfort zones to help them learn and grow, it can always be very advantageous for you as the leader because, and you're in your office because um, now they're more buying into what's going on in the office, right? They have more responsibility and such. But don't get them out of their gift zone. You know, you have to know if, if, they're, if it's not a skill set that they have, you have to be willing to understand and know that maybe you're pushing them out of their skill set. Because if you take them out of their gift zone, they're going to be really frustrated. But if you just take them a little out of their comfort zone, you're going to develop more leaders. Um, so I talked a little bit about these masterminds that we did. Um, Pete and I conduct, we've been leading people through the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. Okay, And it's a John Maxwell book. We assign two chapters a week. Um, people read the chapters, and then we uh, get on the phone for an hour and 15 minutes once a week for eight weeks, and we kind of go through the chapters. Well, Jason Webb, some of you might know him, because um, he's a Nebraska guy, had eight of his staff members go through these masterminds. And as a result, I know from talking to Jason, he said that they were having trouble finding new leaders in their practice and who would take over mentoring other staff members and who would kind of step up to the challenge of being the next leaders in the practice. Um, I've talked to a few of his staff afterwards, and, and Jason has said, and Tammy will affirm too, that um, you know, all of a sudden they have these people that are stepping up to be leaders because they learned how to grow as a person, and they kind of looked within about um, you know, how they were themselves. And Jason said that it was well worth it because now all of a sudden those people are being better leaders in his office. So it's about investing in your staff. And there's different ways to invest in your staff. But again, it's about comfort zones. Oh, this is what I was looking for. So the enthusiastic beginner needs that direction, right? So you get somebody who's been around for a while and they're getting disillusioned. They might need some coaching. So, you know, there's different phases and life cycles of where people are at, and it's just knowing how to kind of um, develop those team members necessarily, specifically. And always give the people you are ready, already have on your team a chance to grow and bloom. Okay? But what happens if they're a weak link? Oh. So I have one, of, I'm an administrator in North Dakota, right? And um, one of my offices in North Dakota, I don't have my computer plugged in, and I have a brand new computer, so I'm just concerned about if I lose my battery here. Um, I think, I think so, I'm not sure. But um, anyway, so I have an office, one of my offices in North Dakota said to me this summer, um, you guys don't know her, so I'll say Tammy. So Tammy comes to me and she says, yeah, you know, we bought this practice 25 years ago, and she was asking me how to get somebody in for a retreat, a staff retreat, because she wanted to do a staff retreat. Because they were finally getting rid of this woman after 25 years. And I looked at her and went, what? 
Well, when they bought the practice 25 years ago, the last thing, the departing thing that the retiring optometrist said was, so-and-so needs to go. And then they went for 25 years and never got rid of her. And she said, I know, I know, I know what you're going to say to me, I know, but don't, don't say it. I said, okay, I won't say it. And she said, but now she's retiring and everybody in the office is jumping up and down for joy. Like, seriously, you waited 25 years to get rid of somebody? So, but we all do it, right? We, you know, we kind of hang on and we think, oh, they'll change or, oh, wait, these two months have been wonderful and then they go through a spell. I mean, you can't tell me that you haven't done that, right? I mean, we kind of have hung on to people longer than we should have. We all, because we're humans, right? You always want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're going to get better. I know they are, right? But here's the problem, is that when we have weak links, we start to lose the respect of the people that we have in the office because we didn't deal with the problem. So, you know, the weak links are the people that can't keep pace, they don't grow, they don't see the big picture, um, you know, they're the chronic complainers. You, you can kind of go down that whole list. And you have two choices. You either train them or trade them. Say that three times fast. You train them or trade them. And those are basically your two options. So if you're one of those folks that are going to hang on to people all the time, you train, 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 train. But there's a time when maybe you just have to trade them. And so I'm giving you permission to let them go. Okay? If you got somebody in your mind, I'm giving you permission. Sometimes, though, it's hard to figure out who's the weak link. Have you ever noticed that? Like, we've been going through this period of time where we have two employees that have been working together for 15 years, and they start, well, one in particular starts complaining more about the other one. And you're like looking at this like, okay, is the problem really the one who's more quiet, or is the problem the one who's been complaining more? And, you know, just as both my husband and I kind of stepped back and started listening and paying attention, the weak link was the complainer. Because it wasn't that this person wasn't doing her job, because she did absolutely everything that we were asking, but there was some personality issues going on, and this person wasn't very tolerant of this person anymore. But it took us a while to figure that out. And then finally we just were like, okay, we want creative solutions, no complaints, and we kind of dealt with it. And at the moment, I think, everybody's happy. At least it's been going pretty good for the last few months. You know, we're people, never know, might come to work on Monday and all hell has broken loose again, right? But sometimes figuring out who or what the weak link is, is challenging because it can kind of be kind of interesting to figure it out. Um, but in, the weaker person usually has control of the relationship. If you think about it, if you, there's somebody who's the complainer, the weaker person, the, the person not holding it up, they like to control things. They want to do it all themselves. They don't delegate. They want absolute control because for fear that somebody might figure out that they're not doing their weight because they don't want to let anybody else know that they're not doing it. When I was in college, I worked in a bank, and I was a teller in the bank. And it was kind of interesting because they made you take two weeks of vacation all at one time, two weeks, because they wanted to audit the books when you were gone. It was kind of interesting, you know, and it, I learned something from learning, living, or working in the bank that summer and just kind of the little ideas that you get for auditing where it happens. And so sometimes the weaker people really want to take control. The embezzlers don't want to take vacations. Um, not that we're going on the embezzling, you know, I digress. But, you know, that's something to think about because sometimes it really is difficult to figure out where's the problem. So here's what happens if you keep the, the weak ones. 
Okay, the stronger ones start helping the weak ones. The stronger ones have to help the weak ones. They have to identify them. They come to resent them. Um, they become, the stronger ones become less effective in their job because you're letting the weaker ones get away with it. Um, now they start to question your ability and bottom line is you start to lose respect as the leader of the rest of your team because you kept around that weak link. So, you know, if you have somebody that you think is kind of a weak link, don't keep them for 25 years and then have a staff retreat and rejoice the fact that they're gone. Um, It was really funny, because I know her pretty well. She's like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Just don't say it. OK, I won't say it. So what if you have to give, let somebody go, right? Discreet, clear, honest, brief, be done. And then be open with your staff members. But you don't have to be you know, telling them all the details, of course, but you have to be open. And be careful about what you say, because if you say something bad about the person you let go, then you're also going to lose respect of the people that you still have. So there's this fine line about how you handle yourself when you let somebody go. But don't second guess it. If you made that decision, remember what it would be like if you kept that person for that weak link for 25 years. Okay? So, like I said, I'm giving you permission that if there's a weak link in your office, as Frozen would say, cartoon, you know, another animated movie that I love, um, let it go. Let it go. And then there's attitudes. You know, I was just having this discussion with a patient the other day, and he um, is on a board of directors for, um, do you guys have Senex around here, or like North Star co-ops, um, farm co-ops? Well, they have um, gas stations and stuff like that, and so he's on the board of directors for this co-op, agricultural co-op. And they hear about the hirings and firings and things about employees, and he goes, we had to move his appointment, this is why I came up. So what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? Why, didn't I, why couldn't I come in on Tuesday? I said, well, I'm speaking in Nebraska. He goes, in Nebraska? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what are you speaking on? So I told him what the topic was. And he goes, oh, man, we were just having that conversation at our co-op meeting about, with our board of directors. And he said, you know, we hire for attitude. Right on. You need to come and talk with me, right? And, you know, so he was just talking about somebody that they hired for attitude because she was a stay-at-home mom. All her kids left. She wants something to do. He said, oh, well, she's trainable. She's a little slow, but she's trainable. But everybody loves her, and she's the bubbliest person. And everybody, when they come in the, the convenience store that they have, love to talk to her and everything. And he said, she's working out great. But I said, is she trainable? Yep, she is. But she hasn't been in the workforce for a long time. But she has the right attitude. And so attitude can make a huge difference for folks. Um, good people with good great talents with awesome attitudes. So I lost somebody recently um, who had worked for us for about 16 years. And it was a really, really, really sad day when Dawn decided to leave. Um, but Dawn was busy. She has four kids. Um, her husband has a trucking company, has another full-time job, plus they have cattle. And so she was just kind of feeling overwhelmed and like she was burning the candle at both ends and something had to give. And so what gave was working for Mark and I. And um, so we, we sent her a dozen roses on her last day of work. And she called her husband and she said, I got my first ever dozen roses. And he said, I gave you a house and kids. <laughs> but she had never had a dozen roses before. But we had roses sent to the office for her for her last day. Because she was the bubbly person in the office. She took it upon herself 
that every Wednesday morning from 8.30 to 9.30 we have a staff meeting, regardless. We just have, that's our staff meeting standard, been doing it for years. And every Wednesday morning she would come in with a motivational quote. And she started doing it herself. I didn't tell her to do it. My husband didn't tell her to do it. Um, but then you'd see her quote on a post-it note on the copier, on the front desk. There's still one. She hasn't worked for us since May. And one of her notes is still on the refrigerator in the conference room that says, be the reason why people smile today. Those are the people you want in your office, right? You want the dons in the world that have this great attitude. And everybody loves to work with them. Patients love them. Those are the people you want. They're, if they're trainable, you want that attitude. Because there's nothing more contagious than a bad attitude. So you can train them. You, you know, you, you can't get talent to be contagious. You can't get experience. But you can totally get attitude to be contagious. So have somebody in the office with a bad attitude. Like I said, the day that I had a bad attitude, I went to the staff and I said, I had a bad attitude today. I'll come back better tomorrow. But I realized that I had a bad one today. And they just laughed at me like, yeah, OK, she's gone off the deep end again. But, um, but there's nothing, there's only one thing more contagious than a good attitude, and that's a bad one. So you want the dawns of the world. May you find a dawn. Um, because having her around the office just really was a godsend. And I really, really miss her. She left for all the right reasons. I'd hire her again in a heartbeat. But, um, and she was in tears when she left, and we just decided not to talk about it. So. So, you know, identifying those with the poor attitude, I think that's pretty easy and it's all really pretty subjective. Look at my time here. Um, you know, the biggest thing with bad attitudes is selfishness. If you think about folks that you know that have bad attitudes, there's, it really kind of boils down to people being selfish. And, you know, kind of about, it's about me. Right? And everything's about me instead of about you and we. And so that kind of is a, a great way to kind of look at folks that have that, that good or poor attitude. 